Introduction to The Goddess of Atvatabar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nigel Fisher. It is proper that some explanation be made as to the position occupied by the following story in the realm of fiction, and that a brief estimate should be made of its literary value. Literature may be roughly classified under two heads the creative and the critical. The former is characteristic of the imaginative temperament, while the latter is analytical in nature and does not rise above the level of the actual. Rightly pursued, these two ways of searching out truth should supplement each other. The poet finds in God the source of matter. The man of science traces matter up to God. Science is poetry inverted. The latter sees in the former confirmation of its airiest flight. It is synthetic and creative whereas science dissects and analyzes. Obviously, the most spiritual conceptions should always maintain a basis in the world of fact, and the greatest works of literary art, while taking their stand upon the solid earth, have not feared to lift their heads to heaven. The highest art is the union of both methods, but in recent times, realism in an extreme form, led by Zola and Tolstoy, and followed with willing though infirm footsteps by certain American writers, has attained a marked prominence in literature, while romantic writers have suffered a corresponding obscuration. It must be admitted that the influence of the realists is not entirely detrimental. On the contrary, they have imported into literature a nicety of observation, a heedfulness of workmanship, a mastery of technique, which have been greatly to its advantage. Nevertheless, the novel of hard facts has failed to prove its claim to infallibility. Facts in themselves are important to account for life. Every material fact is but the representative on the plane of sense of a corresponding truth on the spiritual plane. Spirit is the substance, fact the shadow only, and its whole claim to existence lies in its relation to spirit. Bulwer declares in one of his early productions that the ideal is the only true real. In the nature of things, a reaction from the depression of the realistic school must take place. Indeed, it has already set in, even at the moment of the realist's apogee. A dozen years ago, the author of John Inglesant, in a work of the finest art and most delicate spirituality, showed that the spell of the ideal had not lost its efficacy, and the books that he has written since then have confirmed and emphasised the impression produced by it. Meanwhile, Robert Louis Stevenson and Ryder Haggard have cultivated with striking success the romantic vein of fiction, and the former, at least, has acquired a mastery of technical detail which the realists themselves may envy. It is a little more than a year, too, since Rudyard Kipling startled the reading public with a series of tales of wonderful force and vividness, and whatever criticism may be applied to his work, it incontestably shows the dominance of a spiritual and romantic motive, the realists, on the other hand, have added no notable recruits to their standard, and the leaders of the movement are losing rather than gaining in popularity. The spirit of the new age seems to be with the other party, and we may expect to see them enjoy a constantly widening vogue and influence. The first practical problem which confronts the intending historian of an ideal social or political community is to determine the locality in which it should be placed. It may have no geographical limitations, like Plato's Republic, or Sir Philip Sidney's Arcadia. Swift, in his Gulliver's Travels, appropriated the islands of the then unknown seas, and the late Mr. Percy Gregg boldly steered into space and located a brilliant romance on the planet Mars. Mr. Haggard has placed the scene of his romance, She, in the unexplored interior of Africa. 
after all if imagination be our fellow traveller we might well discover el dorados within easy reach of our townships other writers like ignatius donnelly and edward bellamy have solved the problem by anticipating the future anything will do so that it be well done the real question is as to the writer's ability to interest his readers with the supposed experiences that may develop mind and heart almost as well as if real the goddess of Atvatabar, like the works already mentioned, is a production of imagination and sentiment, the scene of action being laid in the interior of the earth. It is true that the notion has heretofore existed that the earth might be a hollow sphere. The early geologists had a theory that the earth was a hollow globe, the shell being no thicker in proportion to its size than that of an egg. This idea was revived by Captain Sims with the addition of polar openings. Jules Verne takes his readers in one of his romances to the interior of a volcano, and Bulwer, in his coming race, has constructed a world of underground caverns. Mr. Bradshaw, however, has swept aside each and all these preliminary explorations, and has kindled the fires of an interior sun, revealing an interior world of striking magnificence. In view of the fact that we live on an exterior world, lit by an exterior sun, he has supposed the possibility of a similar interior conditions and the crudity of all former conceptions of a hollow earth will be made vividly apparent to the reader of the present volume the goddess of atvatabar paints a picture of a new world and the author must be credited with an original conception he has written out of his own heart and brain without reference to or dependence upon the imaginings of others and it is within truth to say that in boldness of design, in wealth and ingenuity of detail, and in lofty purpose, he has not fallen below the highest standard that has been erected by previous writers. Mr. Bradshaw, in his capacity of idealist, has not only created a new world, but has decorated it with the skill and conscientiousness of the realist, and has achieved a work of art which may rightfully be termed great. Jules Verne, in composing a similar story, would stop short with a description of mere physical adventure. But in the present work, Mr. Bradshaw goes beyond the physical and has created in conjunction therewith an interior world of the soul, illuminated with the still more dazzling sun of ideal love in all its passion and beauty. The story is refreshingly independent, both in conception and method, and the insinuation, Beati qui ante nos nostra dixerunt, cannot be quoted against him. He has imagined and worked out the whole thing for himself, and he merits the full credit that belongs to a discoverer. The goddess of Atvatabar is full of marvellous adventures on land and sea, and in the aerial regions as well. It is not my purpose at present to enumerate the surprising array of novel conceptions that will charm the reader. The author, by the condition of his undertaking, has given carte blanche to his imagination. He has created a complete society with a complete environment suited to it. The broadest generalisation, no less than the minutest particulars, have received careful attention, and the story is based upon a profound understanding of the essential qualities of human nature, and is calculated to attain deserved celebrity. Among the subjects dear to the idealist's heart, perhaps none finds greater favour than that which involves the conception of a new social and political order, and our author has elaborated this subject on fresh lines of thought, making his material world enclose a realm of spiritual tenderness even as the body is the continent and sensible manifestation of the soul the forces arts and aspirations of the human soul are wrought into symmetrical fabric exhibiting its ideal tendencies the evident purpose of the writer is to stimulate the mind by presenting to its contemplation things that are marvellous noble and magnificent 
he has not hesitated to portray his own emotions as expressed by the characters in the book and is evidently in hearty sympathy with everything that will produce elevation of the intellectual and emotional ideals the style in which the story is told is worthy of remark in the beginning when events are occurring within the realm of things already known or conceived of he speaks in the matter-of-fact honest tone of the modern explorer so far as the language goes we might be reading the reports of an arctic voyage as recounted in the daily newspaper there is the same unpretentiousness and directness of phrase the same attention to apparently commonplace detail and the same candid portrayal of wonder hope and fear but when the stupendous descent into the interior world has been made and we have been carried through the intermediary occurrences into the presence of the beautiful goddess herself the style rises to the level of the lofty theme and becomes harmoniously imaginative and poetic the change takes place so naturally and insensibly that no jarring contrast is perceived and a subdued sense of humour making itself felt at the proper moment redeems the most daring flights of the work from the reproach of extravagance mr bradshaw is especially to be commended for having the courage of his imagination he wastes no undue time on explanations but proceeds promptly and fearlessly to set forth the pointed issue when for example it becomes necessary to introduce the new language spoken by the inhabitants of the interior world we are brought in half a dozen paragraphs to an understanding of its characteristic features and proceed to the use of it without more ado a more timid writer would have misspent labour and ingenuity in dwelling upon a matter which mr bradshaw rightly perceived to be of no essential importance and we should have been wearied and delayed in arriving at the really interesting scenes the philosophy of the book is worthy of more serious notice the religion of the new race is based upon the worship of the human soul whose powers have been developed to a height unthought of by our section of mankind although on lines the commencement of which are already within our view the magical achievements of theosophy and occultism as well as the ultimate achievements of orthodox science are revealed in their most amazing manifestations and with a sobriety and minuteness of treatment that fully satisfies what may be called the transcendental reader the whole philosophic and religious situation is made to appear admirably plausible but we are gradually brought to perceive that there is a futility and rottenness inherent in it all and that for the goddess of atvatabar lofty wise and immaculate though she be there is nevertheless a loftier and sublimer experience in store the finest art of the book is shown here a deep is revealed underneath the deep and the final outcome is in accord with the simplest as well as the profoundest religious perception but it would be useless to attempt longer to withhold the reader from the marvellous journey that awaits him a word of congratulation however is due in regard to the illustrations they reach a level of excellence rare even at this day the artists have evidently been in thorough sympathy with the author and have given to the eye what the latter has presented to the understanding a more lovable divinity than that which confronts us on the golden throne it has seldom been our fortune to behold and the designs of animal plants are as remarkable as anything in modern illustrative art they are entirely unique and possess a value quite apart from their artistic grace the chief complaint i find to urge against the book is that it stops long before my curiosity regarding the contents of the interior world is satisfied there are several continents and islands yet to be heard from but i am reassured by the termination of the story that there is nothing to prevent the hero from continuing his explorations and i shall welcome the volume which contains the further points of his extraordinary and commendable enterprise julian hawthorne End of introduction